Kavanaugh, we are glad to see you here this morning. Will you stand with us and let's sing, do what you want to. singing, everybody. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good. Good, good. Hey, it's great to see your bright, smiling faces today. It is. It's awesome. Hey, just to let you guys know, you totally can still wear the face mask if you want to, but you don't have to if you're seated in the pew, okay? So we just want you guys to, wait, you guys are going up to getting to the bathroom or as you're coming in or leaving church today, uh, just make sure you wear your face mask during that time. But if you're sitting in here, breathe a little, right? You know, you don't have to sit there and breathe in your non-brushed tooth breath, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's good. But it's good to see you guys. And we've been so excited to be here in this place together in God's house as his kids, as his people to worship and to learn from him. And I hope you guys are excited. I hope you came expecting. I say that frequently because I think we as God's kids should come expecting, expecting an awesome word from him, for him to work in our lives, and for us, for him to do great things for us. So I want to invite you guys to stand, and we're going to pray and ask God to do that right now. Good to see you guys. 
Lord, we love you. And again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for bringing us back together again. We, we expect awesome things today. We know what you have for us is good and you want us to hear it, God. So, Lord, open our hearts. Open our hearts. Help us to be receptive to all that you want to hear from us, for, from you today. Be with Brother Will as he brings the message. God, speak through him. Touch his life as he brings it to us, God. We love you. And again, bless these remaining moments of worship today and going into the message in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship. Great God, 
And it is just by his very nature that he does great things. So join with us this morning and let's sing about the greatness of God.
hope of salvation. You are the one true Father. Help us to do your will. And God, we love you this morning. We just want to say thank you. In Jesus' name. a big hand. Boy, they, they did a fantastic job today leading us in worship. Good to see you, Kavanaugh people. Uh, those of you who are in person, uh, it is good to see your face. Those of you who are online, I'm just imagining you this morning, but uh, we're glad that you're with us as well. Man, it's, there, there's a different energy in here today, and I think it's because, number one, there's more of you here, and number two, uh, you're able to breathe, you know, and uh, that's fantastic. Uh, Please, when you come in the building and exit the building, wear your mask. If you're in your pew with your family, uh, you can take your mask off if you'd like to. We appreciate you being here today. And I'm ready to get into the Word. How about you? Good? Oh, come on. Are you? There we go. Good deal. I, I want to begin by saying Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Now, y'all are a little slow this morning, all right? So... Uh, Sorry we don't have coffee to wake you up, but how about a word for the fathers? How about a big hand clap for the dads in here? In fact, I did this first service. If you are of male gender, you're a guy, would you stand up? There you go. All guys, stand up. Now, the rest of you who are still seated, give them a big hand for the guys. If you're a guy, good deal. Fantastic. Well, it's going to be a tough crowd today. We're going to get you going because you know what? I've got a gift for all of the fathers. And you're saying, well, where is it? Because it's not on the stage like normal. Uh, when you exit today, they're going to be in the welcome center on those uh, two tables against the wall, uh, individually wrapped, so you can just walk by and, and pick one up. What are they? It's a little knife gadget thing, all right? It's blue, because you know I like blue, so I pick blue out. And it has our logo on it, Kavanaugh Church, your church for life. <laughs> Great. Let me, let me tell you what this little dandy thing will do. It's like a Swiss Army knife. It's not Swiss Army, but it's like one. So you got your little tweezers, all right? If you get a splinter, you're in good shape right there. You got that covered. On the other side, uh, a little toothpick. Every guy needs a toothpick. Come on, come on. You do have a knife and a file, okay? So you can pull the knife out, and uh, it will cut something. I'm not for sure what. It's got a file in there. And then on the other side, you got your handy-dandy scissors, okay? That are not sharp, but they're scissors, all right? How about a word for the gift? There you go. Fantastic. Just pick one up when you leave today, and I know you'll be happy. It may be the only thing you get this Father's Day, but... Uh, you don't have to be a father to get one if you're just a guy, okay? Uh, all, all males can pick one up. Well, I've been in a series on Sunday mornings, uh, The Spirit Way. We've been preaching out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today I'm going to take a little break from that because I wanted to speak directly to the fathers. But you know what? The, the, the correlation is still there with the Holy Spirit because what we need in our families today are men who are filled with the Spirit of God, Men who are spirit-led and who become spiritual leaders in the home, all right? So that's really our, our predominant theme today, that we need men of God in our homes who are leading their families as spiritual leaders of the home. In preparing this message today, I read several articles on fatherhood. Uh, how to be a good dad, the, the marks of a good father. And the interesting thing, whether the article was written by a Christian or a non-Christian, whether it was coming from a biblical perspective or a secular perspective, all of the articles that I read, without exception, came to the final conclusion, which was something like this. When fathers are actively involved with their children, children do better. Bottom line, 
When fathers are actively involved in raising the kids, the kids do better. And, and I want to read a quote out of uh, an author of an article who was not writing from a Christian perspective, but here's what he said. The impact of fatherhood is not subjective, but objective and a documented phenomenon. He said researchers are learning more about what makes a good dad and how to be a good dad every day. So far, they know that kids who grow up with a present engaged dad are less likely to drop out of school or end up in jail compared to children with absent fathers and no male role models in the home. Number two, when kids have close relationship with father figures, they're less likely to have sex at a young age and they tend to avoid other high-risk behaviors. They're more likely to have high-paying jobs and healthy, stable relationships when they grow up. Then they also tend to have higher IQ test scores by the age of three, and they endure fewer psychological problems throughout their lives when fatherhood is taken seriously. And the bottom line, again, from this author is when kids have a father who is involved in their lives, they just do better. You know what? I'd have to say amen to that and totally agree with it. You know why? Because that's exactly what the Bible teaches. The Bible has set up what a family looks like. A family is a, a man and a woman who love each other. They love God. And when they have their children, they love children. And they teach their children to live for the Lord. That's God's plan for an ideal family. And when that father is actively involved in the raising of those kids, those kids are just going to do better. Now, I know what you're thinking, and let me just go ahead and say this. That doesn't mean that your child is destined for problems if there is not a father figure in the house. Okay? Understand that. My, my wife is one of five siblings, one of five kids. When she was just a little girl... Her dad, who was a deputy sheriff in Clay County, was killed in the line of duty. She was raised through adolescence and teen years without a dad in the home. But you know what? My wife turned out pretty good. Okay, So it's not impossible. It just means that the Lord has to do maybe a little bit more work in that family. I could tell you story after story about both men and women of God who grew up in fatherless homes. Can I tell you, the Lord is able. The Lord is able. But nevertheless, I think we would all agree that it is hard to replace the presence of a godly man in the home. Now, one of the most practical books in the Bible is the book of Proverbs. In fact, there are 28 direct references to fathers in the book of Proverbs. Actually, there are more than that, but the actual word father appears 28 times when reading the book of Proverbs out of the New King James translation. In essence, the book of Proverbs contains 31 chapters of advice from a father to his children. Literally, it is addressed by Solomon to his sons, and it's all about fathering. T today, I'd like to show you some of the passages that are found in the book of Proverbs that, that share with us the effects that a godly father will have on his family. So today when somebody asks you, what passage did your pastor preach out of? You can say, the book of Proverbs. Because literally we're going to look at several passages. Are you ready? Okay, I got six things I want to share with you. Kids and families need fathers who fear the Lord. Every family needs a man in that family who is the head of the home who has a reverential fear of God. We read this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. It says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Now, I love reading different verses out of different translations. Let me read that same verse out of the NIV. It says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it is going to be a refuge. So literally, what does it mean to fear the Lord? 
Well, I think more than anything else, it conveys the idea of respect. You see, when we fear the Lord, we recognize that Almighty God is the supreme allied commander of the entire universe. We understand that God reigns and God rules, that he is holy and that he is pure, and that he, he has to be honored and worshiped and obeyed in all of life. Now, when you have a man who fears the Lord, let me just tell you, it sets a completely different tone in the family. Catch up with me. When there is a man who fears the Lord and he is the spiritual leader in the home, there is going to be a different dynamic. There is going to be a different attitude in that home. Practically speaking, what do I mean by that? Well, when you have a man who fears the Lord as the head of the home, it means that every time that family sits down to eat, they're going to pray over their meal because they recognize that everything they have comes from God. And they're going to pray and give thanks to God. It's, it's, just, it's just going to be something that happens because Daddy makes sure that it happens. And not only praying to God before meals, prayer is, is, is a function of that home. They're going to pray over their kids. Maybe at the beginning of the day before they leave for school or go out to do whatever it is they're doing. Or at the end of the day when they come back in and they're about to go to bed, Dad's going to lead them in prayer. Why? Because dad understands that his family needs to be under the divine protection of Almighty God. And so he prays a hedge of protection around them. When you have a dad in the home who fears the Lord, I guarantee you, dad and mom are going to screen and filter everything that comes into that home. So some TV programs are not going to be allowed. They're going to watch what their kids look at on their computers or their own personal devices. Why? Because Jesus lives in that home. And they're not going to allow the trash of the world to come into that house. When you have a man who fears the Lord, it means that every Sunday morning, he's going to gather up his family and take them to church. Because his kids need the word of God. They need the community of faith. And God deserves and demands to be worshipped. And so the father is going to make sure that the family comes to the house of God. You know what? Even in lean times, they're going to lean on the Lord. Because that father knows that every good promise comes from the Lord himself. Can I stop right here and give thanks to God? For the men of Kavanaugh Church who fear the Lord. I thank the Lord for you. If you fear God, praise be the name of Jesus. Thank you. Now, I don't have to tell you, our world, and specifically America, is in a mess right now. Come on. Y'all wake up. Amen. Amen. We're, in a, we're in a big time mess. Now, nobody has asked me, Will, what do you think the problem is in America? And I hate that nobody's asked me that. In fact, I was wishing somebody would ask me, Will, what do you think the problem in America is? Oh, thank you for asking me. <laughs> Let me just share what I think is one of the big problems that is the foundational problem in America right now. We have raised one, two, maybe three generations of kids who have no reverential fear of God in their lives. And can I tell you, if you do not fear God, you will not respect other people. If you don't respect God and his authority, you're not going to respect the authority of your parents or your teachers or the police or even other people. You'll have no respect. Look around. That's one of the huge problems we have in our world today. And you know who, who it falls back on? It falls back on the shoulders of dads. Dads, we have to fear God, and we must teach that to our children. Number two, kids and families need fathers who live lives of integrity. We need dads who tell the truth. We need dads who don't lie. We need dads who are going to do the right thing no matter what. 
Even when they don't think anybody else is watching, they still do the right thing. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Proverbs is full of verses that speak of ethics and morality and, and, um, and, and having this, this, this idea of integrity about your life. Two of them I want to share with you. First is Proverbs 20, verse 7. A righteous man walks in his what? Integrity. His children are blessed after him. And then one more verse, 333. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he who blesses the home, but he, God, blesses the home of those who are just and those who do what is right, those who have integrity about them. So dads, the greatest gift that you can give your kids is just do the right thing. Be a man of integrity. Let me illustrate this with a true story. There was, a, there was a, a preacher who had a young family, and he just accepted the call to a new church in a small town. And so he moved his family there, and he'd only been there a couple of months, and uh, brought his son, his young son, with him to the church one day. And his plan was he was going to take his son downtown. They were going to look around at the downtown stores and eat lunch downtown. And, and he thought for a full experience, we'll just ride the bus downtown. And so right out in front of their church, the, the father and young son aborted the bus. He paid the bus fare, and they went and sat down. When he sat down, he realized that the bus driver gave him the incorrect change back. He gave him 25 cents too much back. And, and the preacher thought, well, when I leave, I'll just give him the 25 cents back. I, I don't want to get up while he's driving. I'll just wait till I leave. And, and so he, he just sat there and kind of looked at the quarter and then thought, well, why would I give that quarter back? I mean, it was his mistake. The, the bus company really doesn't need the quarter. I could spend the quarter on my son. And you're thinking, oh, did he really think that? He's a preacher. Well, you would have thought it. Huh? So he had this battle going on inside of him. They finally got downtown. He, he took his son by the hand. They were walking out of the bus, and he stopped right there, and he gave the bus driver the quarterback. He said, sir, I think you gave me too much change. And the bus driver looked at him and said, hey, aren't you the new preacher in town? <laughs> man said, yes, I am. The bus driver said, well, you know, I've, I've been thinking about going back to church, hadn't been in a long time, and I gave you 25 cents too much in change just to see what you would do with the 25 cents. He said, I'll see you at church on Sunday. The man exited the bus with his little son, and when he got on the sidewalk, he just took a breath. He said, oh, my Lord, I almost sold Jesus out for 25 cents. But the kicker was his little boy. He looked up in his dad's eyes and said, Pop, it's a good thing you gave that quarterback. <laughs> you see what I'm saying, dads? We need men of integrity. Okay? We need men who are going to do what they say, who are not going to lie, who are going to do the right thing even when nobody else is watching. Why? Because somebody is watching. And integrity is more than just teaching. It's fleshing it out. Number three, kids and families need fathers who remain true to their wives. Years ago, before our first child was born, I read a statement that had a great impact on me. The statement said... The greatest thing a father can do for his children is to love his wife. The greatest thing a father can do for his kids is to love their mother. I want to read to you a passage that is found in Proverbs chapter 5. In fact, I, I encourage you to go home today and read Proverbs chapter 5. It's hard for me to publicly read this without turning red in the face, so when I read it, I'm going to kind of turn around and read it. But you know, it's one of those passages that are in the Bible, and I think they need to be read. In fact, every family, every husband and wife needs to read Proverbs chapter 5 and understand it. And understand this, Solomon wrote Proverbs chapter 5 to his own son who was newly married, giving him marital advice. So let me read verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to drop down and read verses 15 through 20. Solomon says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion 
and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. And then in the next few verses, 6 through 14, he goes on to describe the problems that you fall into when you commit adultery or men when you fall into the hands of an immoral woman. He picks back up in verse 15 and says, Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. Now, let me just summarize the verses just that I just read because some of you are thinking, what, what in the world is he talking about? He's talking about the, the love and the relationship between a man and a woman who are married, the things that you do in private. He said, you don't waste that with other people outside of the one that you're married with. It is... Sexual relations is a special gift that God has given one man and one woman who are bonded in Christian matrimony. Don't be wasting that on the streets. Don't be giving your love and yourself to immoral people. Are you with me? Could I make it any plainer than that? As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast, your wife's breast, satisfy you at all times. And that's why my head's turned. And always be enraptured with her love. Catch that phrase. Always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured with an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Wow. That's pretty plain stuff, isn't it? The phrase that I want to go back to and I want you to hold on to, men, is this. He says, always be enraptured by your wife's love. Men, we are commanded in this verse to always be enraptured, to always be in love with our wives. Not with other women, not with pictures of other women, but only our wives. Now, this is something that doesn't just happen automatically. It happens as we choose to remain committed to one another over the long haul. And nothing is more important for your children than to see that mom and dad love each other and respect each other and are committed to one another. Now, there's a similar passage that goes along with this in Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 31. And you're thinking, hang on, preacher, that's a Mother's Day message, not a Father's Day message. Proverbs 31 is the pen portrait of the ideal woman. But you know what? It also says something about the woman's husband. He loves her. He affirms her verbally. He trusts her. Look at Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. And then in verse 28, it says... Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Well, what does he say to her? How does he affirm her? her his words are recorded in, in verse 29. He says, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all, baby. I just added the baby on the end there. He looks at his wife in the eyes and he says, you know what? There might be a whole lot of other women out there in the world, but you're the only one for me, baby. Boy, I love you. Every time I look at you, my heart races. You're the love of my life. And he pours it on. Why? Because he feels that way in his heart. He loves his, his wife. Godly dads remain faithful to their wives and they work on their marriages. Why? Because they love their wife and they love their kids. Number four, kids and families need fathers who teach their children the ways of the Lord. Really, this is one of the great themes of the book of Proverbs. And, and we find it throughout the entirety 
of Proverbs. Just look at the way the main body of the book begins in Proverbs chapter 1. He says, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Do not follow their wicked ways. And then if we drop down to Proverbs chapter 4, he says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. I give you good, solid teaching. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me. And he said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Now, guys, listen to me. There are several ways we do that. There are several ways we teach our kids the doctrine from the Word of God. There are several ways we impart the Word of God into the lives of our children. I really think the best way is Deuteronomy 6 way. And what does Deuteronomy 6 teach us about, about teaching our children and imparting biblical knowledge to them? Deuteronomy 6 teaches this pr principle. You take Bible verses and you teach them to your kids. Here's what it says. When you lie down, that means before they go to bed, you give them a word from God. Secondly, when you rise up in the morning before they go off on their activities, you share with them the ways of God. When you sit at your home, and could I just sit there for a second? Man, families need to spend time together in the home. When everybody comes together, maybe over a meal, you use that time as parents to teach your children the ways of God. And then he said, finally, number four, when you walk along the way or when you're driving in your car, use that opportunity to teach your children the word of God. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says it like this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So parents, moms and dads, listen to me. It's our job, our obligation to teach our kids the way of life and the word of God. Now, some of you dads are saying, okay, but that's why I bring my kids to church. That's why I drop them off at kids' church or drop them off on, on Wednesdays when things are normal for Brother Nathan. Can I tell you, these are our guys right down here that, that, that help teach your kids, and they're about the best in the business. Okay, Brother Johnny's about the best kids pastor I've ever seen. Brother Nathan's about the best youth pastor I've ever seen. And they can do some amazing things with your kids. They will be faithful in teaching them the biblical truths and the word of God. But listen to me, parents. If you are counting on Brother Johnny and Brother Nathan raising your kids and teaching them the Word of God so that your kids know and do what's good and what is right, we're all going to be gravely disappointed. Because that's not literally their job. You know what their job is? They're the cheery on top of your ice cream. Because it's your job to teach your kids. You do that at home. Every day, you're teaching them the Word of God. Then when you bring them to church, it's Brother Johnny and Brother Nathan's job to affirm and reaffirm what you've been teaching your kids at home. And they will do a great job at that, but the responsibility is yours to teach them. That brings me to number five. Kids and families need fathers who correct their children when necessary. Now, Here's the difference between 9 o'clock service and 10.30 service. When I gave this point at the 9 o'clock service, there was an overwhelming, amen. Because most of those people are grandparents, all right? You're just struggling to make it right now with your kids. But can I tell you, this is a biblical principle. And fathers, it's your responsibility that you discipline and you correct your kids. Let me show you what I mean. Three verses I'm going to read from Proverbs. There are many more than this, but look at Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. 
Now, let's get this picture of God. Our God is a loving heavenly father. He is the prime example of a perfect father. But you know what? God realizes one of his duties as father is to correct his kids, to discipline us when we get out of line and when we make mistakes. And one of the ways I know that God loves me supremely is that he doesn't allow me to get away with making a mess of my life. Because when I do something that is wrong or I make a wrong decision, God chastens me. God disciplines me. And the verse goes on to say, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So if you really love your kids as much as God loves you, you're going to discipline your children and correct them. The second verse is Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the what? Rod or belt hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him when? Promptly. Now, guys, again, we're not talking about child abuse, and we're not talking about beating our kids till they're black and blue, but we are talking about disciplining them when they do wrong. And yes, we are talking about spanking them. But you know what? When you do spank your kid, you need to set them down and tell them why they're getting disciplined and why they're getting corrected. It's a teaching moment so that they don't continue making the same mistakes over and over again. That's biblical. One last verse, 2917. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. And again, listen to me. Here's what I know. It, it, people take offense to everything. Did you know that? I'm just, I'm just talking generally here. And, and I realize that I'm living in such a day and time that no matter what I preach on a Sunday morning, somebody's going to be offended by what I say. I realize that now, and it's just, it's just, it's just part of ministering in the modern world. And, and you know what? I, I can take responsibility when I'm just giving you my opinion. But here's what I realize. When we're talking about the Word of God, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And the Word of God says, if you want to be a good parent, you must discipline your kids. And I know that's not popular in our world today, but that's the problem in our world today. We're not disciplining our kids. And you know what? Kids need it. And more than that, they want it. Kids want barriers. They want discipline. They want correctness. They're looking to you for guidance. And if you don't give it to them, it's proof in the pudding you don't really love them. It's not Will Harmon talking. That's the word of God speaking. Okay, I need to lighten things up because y'all are getting mad at me. Here's what I've decided, Johnny, and you know it's true. Grandparenting is awesome. Now, I've heard that all my life, but it's not until I had a granddaughter that I realized it's, it's, it's great. You, you, you get to love on them and, and doodle over them and, and do everything for them and then just send them back home to their parents. It's awesome. Uh, for the last week, we've had Ella Jane with us. She's our granddaughter. My oldest daughter, Whitney, had Ella Jane 18 months ago, and uh, Whitney is nine months pregnant. She's expecting... Uh, her second child any moment. Uh, she went into labor this past week, and, and so Angie and Zane drove down to Dallas and picked Ella Jane up because with COVID, uh, Ella Jane won't be able to go into the hospital when, when Angie has her little brother, Archie. And so Angie brought Ella Jane back, and Ella Jane's been with us for a week now. Oh, boy. It, it has been a delight. I mean, it has been so much fun. I mean, I've, I've just had the best time with that little girl. She is, she is a reincarnation of her mother. I mean, she's just like her mother, dead out. And, and man, I've just I've loved on her, and, and I've had such a good time with her. But you know what? In a week's time, I've had to get on to her. I'm serious. And, and, you know, she'll, she'll go and she'll, she'll put her hand or a little finger on something she's not supposed to touch. And I'll say, Ella Jane, no. You can't touch that. And she'll look at me. She'll... 
say, no, you can't, you can't touch that. She's such a good little girl. She'd just take her hand down. She'd go away. But you know what? They're smart. And so she'll come back a little bit, and she'll look at me, and she'll put her little finger out there again. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that. Don't touch that. And she'll just go. Now, Lolo's beat the fire out of her. No, she hasn't. She hasn't. You know, I don't even think Angie said no to her one time. I've been the bad guy, you know. And Zane, Zane doesn't put up with anything. He's like, hey, kid, quit that. Yeah. And she just laughs at him. It's, it's funny. It's hilarious. You know what? Here's one thing I know. This is beside the point. But things really, I mean, it's been years. Zane's 20 years old now. So it's been a long time since I had a little kid in the house. But things really don't change. Last night, we had finished eating pizza, and, and uh, we splurged. We had pizza, and, and uh, the floor was a mess. We, we ate in the living room watching TV, and so there was pieces of pizza all over the floor from Ella Jane, toys everywhere, and it was bath time. So, so Angie, Lolo, she took little Ella Jane back and, and gave her a bath, and I was sitting there in my recliner, recliner watching Audie Murphy, a Western. Y'all know Audie Murphy? One of the most decorated war heroes in America came back and was starring all these Western movies. And I, I was engrossing this old Audie Murphy Western, and, and I was just sitting there, and I was watching it, and Angie was back there giving Ella Jane a bath, and, and she came back in the room, and she said, Unbelievable! Unbelievable! And, and I looked at her, and she said, Some things never change, do they? Here I am back there taking care of this kid, and you're just sitting here in all this mess. And, and it dawned on me that I was being a sloth. I mean, I was really sitting there in the recliner watching Audie Murphy, and he said, oh, babe, let me help. And I jumped up and started, she said, too late, bucko. <laughs> yeah. Kids need your discipline. Kids need to be corrected. And if you love them, let me tell you, you're going to do that for them. Finally, number six, kids and families need fathers who make their children proud of them. Look at one final verse, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. I told people in the first service, my, my goal as a dad has only been twofold. Number one, I want to make sure everybody in my family ends up in heaven. I want to do everything I can to teach my kids and grandkids that Jesus is the way to go. That more than anything, they need to know Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. Serve him throughout their life so that we can spend eternity in heaven together. And as a dad, that's my responsibility. But secondly, I want to raise my kids in such a way that, that one of these days they're going to look back and think and say to me, you know what, Pop? Maybe you weren't perfect, but you were a pretty good dad. I'd take that. It, it, it reminds me of a, a Father's Day card I read years ago. It said, Dear Dad, you've always been there in my corner no matter what. When I felt confused, you were there to help me find direction. When I felt like giving up, you were there with me to encourage me. When I had to make hard decisions, you were there to help me find strength. When I told you my hopes and dreams, you were there to help me reach out for them. And when things happened that were good, you were there with cheers and applause. I don't know about you, dads, but that sounds pretty good to me. I'd love to be able to, at the end of my life, have my kids say something like that about me. Here's what I do know. None of us are perfect dads. None of you are perfect moms. And there is no family in this room that's ever going to raise perfect children. But our society is in deep trouble today, and much of the blame comes back to a lack of godly fathering in the home. So today, I would like to invite you to get a new beginning, wherever you are in life. And it all begins by committing all that you have to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you aren't the dad that you need to be. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ can help you with that. Perhaps you don't have the kind of dad that you need. Well, Jesus can help you with that too. The Bible says he is a father to the fatherless. 
Maybe you've got bitter memories of your own father. Perhaps he wasn't the kind of dad that, that you wanted him to be. Maybe he wasn't around. Maybe he did the wrong thing. But Jesus Christ can even help you with that through forgiveness and healing. Bottom line is this. Whoever you are today, whether you be a boy or a girl, a teenager, a husband, a wife, a dad, or a mom, a single, no matter who you are, whether you even be a grandparent, it all begins foundationally in a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of you need Jesus. Everyone in this room needs Jesus. Those of you listening online, you need Jesus Christ. He's the difference maker. And so today I ask that you consider Jesus. Invite Jesus into your life. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Establish a relationship with Jesus. And when you do that, you have a perfect example of what a heavenly father is supposed to be. Because he becomes your father. And as a result of that, men, you can become better dads. So if you need Jesus, ask him into your life. If you're a dad here today, tell you what, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt you one bit just to step it up a notch and to pray a simple prayer this morning. Lord, I want to be the best dad I can be, the best husband I can be, the best father I can be. Would you help me? And I guarantee you one thing. If you ask that, God will answer that. He'll help you. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that we would do that this morning. I pray for those listening to me, whether they be in person or online. Lord, if they've never accepted you as their personal Savior, I pray that today they would make Jesus Lord of their life. Lord, for the men who are in this room, I pray that every one of us would step it up a notch and recommit our life and our families to you. Lord, we all know what our deficiencies are. We all know where we fall short. And so, dear Lord, as we confess those shortcomings, I, I pray that we would ask you for help in being the best dads we possibly can be. Lord, I'm thankful for the good men of Kavanaugh Church. Would you bless them and their families today? We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Just a couple of reminders. When you leave, uh, do two things. Drop your offering in one of those offering boxes. And guys, pick up your handy-dandy little five-way gift before you leave. The only service we're going to have tonight online is Kids Church, okay? So at 6 o'clock, uh, families gather around. Dads, make sure your kids are in front of a screen watching Brother Johnny as uh, he gives them a Bible lesson for the night. Uh, today is Father's Day. That's all, all we're going to do this evening. So if you're in a home with a dad, would you please just let your dad do whatever he wants to today? Okay? Would you do that? Sounds good. On Wednesday night, we're going to be online again. Our summer intern, John Christensen, is, uh, Christian is going to be uh, preaching. Uh, James, excuse me, John's his brother. That freaked John out right back there, didn't it? James is going to be preaching, and uh, man, I'm excited to hear James. He's a great young man, uh, going to be in his second year at Randall University. Be praying for James, and Wednesday night you get to hear him preach. Saturday is going to be a big day. Uh, our gymnasium is going to turn into a mattress warehouse, and we've got this big, huge fundraiser going on. Uh, if you're in need of a top-quality mattress, you can come and buy one 50% off. Really what we're asking that you do is advertise this. Uh, Brother Matt's going to be in the back uh, in the Welcome Center after service. We've got yard signs and brochures. We're asking you to put it on social media. The proceeds of this are going to go to Pastor Jose in Puerto Rico, his church and the school that they have meeting in their church. So please advertise. Get people here. Uh, if somebody comes and buys a mattress and they say that I came because uh, Jason Armstrong told me to come, then a part of that proceed is going to go to our building fund, and it will be given in Jason's name. So just another benefit to that. Uh, if you didn't get enough sleep on Friday night and you're kind of tired on Saturday, swing by, check out the mattresses, take a nap in our gym. Yeah. Then the cool thing, Pastor Jose is going to be here Sunday. Did you hear me? Pastor Jose from Puerto Rico will be with us next Sunday, and he's going to preach for us. 
I love Pastor Jose. He's a great man of God, going to do a fantastic job. He's going to preach in his native language, and Sister Diana is going to interpret. And if you've never been in a service when that has happened, I'm telling you what, it is an amazing thing, and you don't want to miss it next Sunday. I want you to know this before you leave. I love you. Staff loves you. Most importantly, God loves you. Put your mask back on. Go get your gift. You're dismissed.